Next up is a modern version of one of the oldest trades in the world. Hey, Sharks, does this look familiar to you? Have you noticed that when you buy spices at the supermarket, they don't have much flavor? Gross. I'm Ethan, chef turned aid worker from New York City. And I'm Ori, a marketing executive turned entrepreneur, born in Israel and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. And we're, we're the, the co-founders of Burlap and Barrel. And whatever you're doing right now, stop what you're doing and give some super claps for Super Ethan and Super Ori. Woo! Welcome, guys. Welcome. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having us. So, so welcome. I'm glad we were able to finally make it happen. Uh, I know we were scheduled to talk a while ago, uh, but that did not quite happen. Uh, I got somebody looking at me through the window over there. Um, (laughs) They put a smile on their face, so it's all good. Um, So, you know, we we were scheduled for a while ago, and then all of a sudden, like, I think we just – the scheduling didn't work out. And then I was going through, and I was like, oh, man, I forgot. Like, I hadn't uh, had a chance to get back around to having uh, you guys on. So uh, here we are. And But first, I got to ask, what did it feel like walking down the hall? Oh, my God. What a – what a treat. I mean, before we went that we were for spending for maybe four minutes, like shoulder to shoulder, closer than we've ever stood before. Um, ju- just kind of getting ready for it, waiting for them to say go. But I mean, we'll talk more about this, but this was the accumulation of like months and months and months of prep work to finally be there with hair and makeup and wardrobe and mics, layers of mics so we could tear our outer layer of clothing off and all that. So it was quite surreal. And I think they made us sign a thing that says that they can tape uh, film us even when we don't know they're filming us and that we give them the rights to use it. And so also just trying to like, like just, just be cool. Just, just show up well on TV because not give them anything that they could use to make us look silly, you know, in the ultimate cut of it. Do you feel like that um, plays a part in giving you extra anxiety in that case? Because, like, you know, like, oh, no, I can't do this because if the camera's over here, it might look like this. And I've never been more aware of, like, what I'm doing and how I'm standing. And, like, I was like, am I walking right? Is this the regular, (laughs) like, size of my paces? And they tell us also ahead of time that, like, the theme song is playing in your ears while you're walking down the hallway, even though it's completely silent. Um, and and it was. <laughs> yeah, we yes. watched so many episodes at that point that right we could hum the theme song to ourselves as we walked down the hallway. The the one cool I mean one cool thing about the hallway itself is that it's got a forced perspective. It uh, it looks longer on TV than it actually is because the the walls actually slant in towards each other. So it was you know cool to see a little bit of that like uh, uh, TV studio magic of making the hallway look longer. And then actually uh, it was just the way the set was built. Yeah. And there's real water in there. <laughs> so oh, there is. Oh, I didn't, I kind of assumed that it wasn't real water, that it was yeah. like, uh, I don't know, uh, just plastic or something uh, yeah. on top. I wasn't uh, worried about falling in until they told us it's real water. Don't fall in. I was like, Oh no, that's you shouldn't be walking happen <laughs> anywhere near that. But if you were coming down with like pogo sticks or, or skateboards yeah. or something, like you never know, right? Like that was everyday walking, you know, <laughs> just seeing how well we could do it. <laughs> well, it, it's a tremendous amount of stress that you're putting yourself under to make all that happen. Um, and to, to be thinking about uh, what's, you know, everything with your pitch that you have to do. And obviously I'm sure you guys realized you were just going to stand there for like a minute, minute and a half before, you know, 
go time is actually there, which to me is like I'd be whole, I feel like I would be wanting to hold my breath the entire time. Like I'd walk out there and like, oh, I'd be like, I gotta breathe. Remember to breathe. Remember to breathe. Yeah. And then it's like go. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be breathing. <laughs> <laughs> trying yeah. to catch my breath and all of it feels really surreal because like ethan said we've watched so many episodes of shark tank and some days you feel like you're doing a shark tank impression you know like of, of people who go on shark tank you know um and so it felt really surreal and really wonderful and like we started this business like we we're a little over seven years ago you know we, we were bootstrapped or single origin spice business that works with smallholder farmers like being in LA on a proper Hollywood set with like the whole like kit and caboodle around it of producers and this and that. It was super fun, super interesting, but also very far out of uh, what our day-to-day uh, is around kind of running and building this business. I I bet. I mean, um, Ethan, I, I wanted to get into um, the, the time you spent building schools uh, in Afghanistan, which is is super awesome that you uh, were able to to go go and get to do that. I mean, not everybody gets to go and do and even one school, uh, let alone uh, two hundred schools. What was your involvement with uh, with building those? Yeah, I had uh, moved to Afghanistan uh, after getting my master's degree in international development. I wanted to be an aid worker, so I moved to to Afghanistan for a job with a big organization called the Aga Khan Foundation. Um, but I had always been interested in, in, uh, kind of the overlap of entrepreneurship and, and social impact. Ori and I had had another business together previously, an ice cream company called Gorilla Ice Cream. Uh, Ori was working in advertising. I was working in restaurant kitchens. This was New York City, summer of 2010. Uh, and we started selling, uh, flavors, ice cream flavors inspired by revolutions and political movements from around the world, donating 100% of the profits. Uh, so we had all kinds of crazy flavors. Uh, you know, I was making it all myself in a rented restaurant kitchen space or he was working full time during the week and then, uh, you know, selling, selling ice cream at markets over the weekends. So we'd had this early experience of entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship. Um, and then uh, I, I wound up uh, going to graduate school and, and moving to Afghanistan. I lived there uh, for about two and a half years, all told, uh, working on uh, a lot of projects. But one of them was this huge uh the project you mentioned, a huge school construction project, which took me to a lot of very rural, remote areas uh, in the northeast of the country. Uh, not a place that a lot of people get to go to, as you mentioned. Uh, it was a real, a real privilege, and I was really struck by a lot of things about life there and and the geography and the people. But one of them uh, was the food, and and in particular, this variety of wild cumin that that region of Afghanistan is famous for. And you know, I had been a, a line cook, a pastry chef in New York City, so I started carrying it home in duffel bags. Uh, and that was really kind of the very beginning of, of Burlap and Barrel was, was smuggling spices home from Afghanistan to share with uh, like chef buddies in, in New York. Now you, you say the word smuggle or was it legal? Uh, yeah, it's, le- it, uh, you know, it's legal. It depends on uh, what you call it. You know, if you call it a cumin seed, maybe you're not allowed to bring it in, but if you call it, mm. you know, cumin spice, you are, you know, there's a, there's a lot of funny loopholes. Obviously we, we now uh, run a much more professional operation these days, seven years later, we're not, we're not uh, carrying spices home in duffel bags anymore for the most part. But, um, <laughs> but that was, you know, that was the initial sort of spirit of the business was, was uh, very scrappy bootstrapped, you know, how do, how do we make this happen with our own resources and and with a network of amazing partner farmers around the world wow and um the the ice cream business gorilla uh ice cream so a hundred percent of the profits went um okay how yeah well you know it's an I ice mean, cream you were paying card yourself at least right like 
it, it was no. a summer oh. project. Nobody was okay. expecting to get rich uh, uh, making ice cream. And the flavors were, were pretty strange and conceptual. Uh, we had a roast duck ice cream at one point. That was kind of the wackiest. But, you know, I, I had been a pastry chef in a, a good restaurant. So the, there was a whole presentation. We, we were bruleeing bananas to order. We had a blowtorch. And one of the ice cream flavors had frozen banana slices that we would blowtorch to order on the cart. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was for fun and, and to, uh, to use ice cream to talk about these bigger messages. Uh, I think we, we ultimately donated a few thousand dollars by the end of the summer, mostly to the yeah. street vendor project, uh, a street vendor advocacy organization in New York city. Yeah. And we talk like, I mean, like entrepreneurship is like a muscle, you know, you get to flex it and you get to keep building it. And, and like, I think that like this not burlap and barrel wasn't either of our first businesses, let alone our first businesses together. And really what grill ice cream let us do was to practice starting a company. It was just for a summer, but, but we really, we put our hearts into it. We put our souls into it. Every free hour that we had, I was taking conference calls for my main work, you know, while scooping ice cream out of the cart. But it was really fun. And we got to tell a really interesting story about like New York City. There's ice cream on every single corner. Like, why would you pick our ice cream? And so we got to really see what it was like to build a business, to build a food business, to work together, to kind of tell interesting and compelling stories about new types of products that would make people really care about it. Um, and so that was a really, really great way to, to learn about, about how to build it and how to work together. And at the end of the summer, you know, Ethan moved off to, to London to get his master's degree and eventually took him to Afghanistan. I moved over to San Francisco to start the next company. But really, like, we got to, to see what it was like to run this business. And, and that only led us to wanting to do the next thing together. And, and it took us years uh, to, to kind of get back to it and figure out what that thing was. But Ethan picking up that cumin, bringing it back to the US and chefs smelling it and losing their absolute minds around it. Uh, that was a really meaningful light bulb moment to say, wait a second, there's something here. I mean, it sounds like I, look, I always, you know, you can always um, pay for things like mistakes, right. Or, or, or um, problems that, that occur, right. You pay, you, that, that's the experience, right. You get experience through like paying money for being taught or through making mistakes. And I love that you guys were like, you know what, we're going to, actively pay to make a mistake right and and who knows maybe it, maybe it took off so much that you're like okay maybe we need to back it down like 70 yeah. percent of the of the profits go to you know to it but well but let me I tell think- you now it's absolutely not a mistake that's our next business was, was with shelf stable shippable products believe me after like putting in our cart, like the frozen ice cream that Ethan had made in the restaurant kitchen, and then the bag tore, and now our ice cream is spilled all across Hester Street in like the Lower East Side, and like yeah. the exact right. The freezer. <laughs> do you remember we had a we had yeah. a weekend where the freezer somebody unplugged our freezer unplugged in the restaurant the kitchen, and that was thousands oh. of dollars, and and how many hours of of my time? You know, you, it was a product that melts. So when we came back together to start our next company, right? Exactly, something that uh, had a little bit of a different unit economics and uh, relationship with it was an investment heat. okay not yeah. a, not a mistake an investment that that saved us a lot of future anguish in burlap and barrel <laughs> yeah no absolutely i mean to be able to transport it across not only from country to country afghanistan or whatever country the spice is coming from but it, in america right and then to out from america from there so um and have it shelf stable and stuff i mean that that definitely uh you got you go to 
to use a word, you got a taste of what it's like to, to do something that's like, oh, you know, it is brutal, right? Selling ice cream inside of, uh, I mean, you already have like a small, like a, like a brick and mortar box, right? The square footage there is hard to get into. And then you're like, let's go even smaller and go into these frozen things. And it's like, oh God, like that is, that is brutal. So you guys got a great, great experience. I mean, you found out what you didn't want to do out of yeah. it. Yeah, and we also got to learn a lot about what worked and what resonated with people. So, like, early on, we started talking all about politics and political lessons. revolutions and all this and that. And I just remember we'd have, like, little kids come up to us and be like, do you have vanilla? And we'd be like, no. <laughs> but we have this Libertasau after Guinea-Bissau pro-democracy movement, and it's chocolate and port wine. And, like, you know, so, like, we also, like, learned about how to, like, talk about things in ways that people kind of piqued their attention. It was new. It was different to how to really play up the really unique parts of it and have a product that was worth paying attention to and so we really got to play around a lot with that in in gorilla ice cream and kind of see what see what connected with people and and you're you're we were at the cart selling so like we're hearing from people a hundred times a day what they like what they don't like what questions they have so i don't know i think that i think people underestimate like how much value you learn from just doing a business like maybe it's the brilliant idea that will change the world or maybe it's just something to get you started but you're gonna learn about how to like grow and market and print out materials and staff and your ingredient costs and all that stuff. And that was all super, super relevant in burlap and barrel, but years later. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. Uh, I no, I love that, that you guys, that you have that story to be able to tell after the fact as well. Uh, totally, totally worth the time, effort, money, and probably more lessons learned there than probably a lot of your schooling, if not all your schooling. Um, so with uh with that said you guys have uh been been crushing it you know you you go in there and you're like i i got we got 12 million dollars in said revenue in six years um but you you come in looking for five hundred thousand dollars for five percent now i am no shark tank historian but anytime you go over two hundred fifty thousand dollars for any amount of percentage you're significantly cutting down your chances of getting a deal. Why, how did you, why, and how did you land on the 500,000 for 5%? I, I, first of all, if anyone is a shark tank historian, Joe, uh, I believe that, <laughs> that, uh, you could own that title. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> but, but we don't my So my time after in between burlap, a uh, girl, ice cream, burlap and barrels, I moved to San Francisco. I met with some investors. We ended up starting a venture backed mortgage company. Seems totally irrelevant to food and in this journey. But my background is in business and in marketing. And, and I just was looking for the next entrepreneurial kind of challenge while I waited for Ethan to figure out what the next idea would be. Um, but but that was really uh, interesting and just learned how we raised a bunch of money. We hired a bunch of people. It also told me what I didn't want, which was a venture-backed company and this whole kind of intense pace of everything. But we also know what a company is worth on the market. I mean, we were profitable. We, we, we were having growing sales every single year. We had established relationships with e-commerce, which was one of the hardest things to do without venture money to pay for acquisition. So we also walked in there uh, knowing our value and knowing that we were a company that was further along in terms of traction and in terms of revenue. And as a result, it's, it's, it's lower in risk because we, we've done more work. We're not just throwing out an idea and maybe people will connect with it and maybe people won't. So we kind of knew what it was and we wanted to make sure that that like we wanted to represent our own value in this and the value of the company. And we wanted the sharks to come in and make a deal. Also, that amount of money, 
they can all spare it. But <laughs> we came in kind of coming in, knowing our value and wanting to ask for something that if we were going to raise money in the, in like just in, in the world, which we don't want to do, uh, we would have raised it at an even higher valuation. So we said, all right, we'll take a haircut on that. Come into the Sharks. Yes, it's a little bit of a stretch, but they're also getting a company that's done over 10 million bucks in revenue and, and was was set up to do even more. So we felt like that was pretty pretty reasonable. We even were talking about coming in with a higher valuation. And our producers uh, didn't tell us, but gave us some some suggestions that maybe they would be more amenable to, to a, a smaller ask. And the other side of it, for whatever it's worth, is just that we didn't want to offer them so little equity that they would scoff at us. So we didn't want to come in for like a hundred K for like, you know, 1%. And I think they would laugh us out of the room for that. So we tried to just find that point that we thought would be within reach for the sharks. That would be kind of enough equity for them to like get enough of a bite out of our company. Um, but still kind of maintain what we could have done in, in the real world. Yeah. I mean, it's because, it, you know, when you go in and look for it, it's, it's got to be a meaningful amount of money that's going to move the needle for you, right? As well, like if you go like, oh yeah, you come in and it's like seventy five thousand. That's not necessarily enough, you know, money for it to move the needle for you guys when you're yeah. already profitable, when you're already doing the, and um, you have those connections. I mean, you you went in and at the time you guys said you had seventy spices, individual spices that you you is that still to the case or have you expanded or have you shrunk that down or or narrowed that down? We've definitely expanded. Uh, we've we may have dropped a few things in the meantime, but uh, the the overall number is only growing. Yeah, there's all kinds of new stuff that have that's come out in the last few months. Have you guys found that it's difficult? It doesn't make it more difficult on the you know having that many SKUs. I mean, that's that's sure. where my mind goes, right? As soon as you say 70, um, 70 spices, I'm like, wow, that's a that's a lot of SKUs. Now you are six years into it, seven years now. Um, so it's not like it's oh we're year one and we got seventy different part you know products that I almost said part numbers but uh, pr- pr- you know products that we're bringing to the table that we have to uh, fulfill. Yeah, and not to mention every one of those has a, a supply chain that we've built from scratch behind it. This is not this isn't like calling a you know a commodity supplier or a broker or somebody and saying get me ten pounds or whatever. Like we're we're going to farms in in India and Tanzania and Guatemala. Uh, setting farmers up to export their own product, often for the very first time. So uh, every every one of those products has a, a story behind it, a supply chain, a, a series of decisions that we made to source this product from this country and this farm, and and uh, and a, a real relationship. Actually, our uh, one of our partner farmers, uh, the guy in Guatemala that I, I mentioned, was just in New York recently. Uh, I took him around Manhattan, showed him the Statue of Liberty, and. Um, it was it was pretty cool. You know, we've we've been to the farm many times, but but amazing to have a, a farmer be able to uh, visit us in in New York too. I I love that. You know, while I'm not from New York, I'm I'm from the Philly area. Uh, it's it's uh, it is a pretty special place to get to go, and uh, and I'm and I'm glad that I over the years I've gotten to go many times a year uh, to go hang out in Manhattan with friends and things of that nature, but. Um, but no, that that that's also, I mean, also it does sound quite expensive to make those trips and and all that to be able to bake that into your costs, uh, pun sort of intended. Um, you know how how have you guys been able to uh, mitigate some of those 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 hurdles 
because like yeah. you gotta find like the farmer <laughs> like and and that isn't always the easiest thing to do uh if you know hopefully i would imagine you you're they're probably getting in contact with you at this point um ahead of time so at least you're not going there and being like okay uh let's go drive around till we find some farms or i kind of saw it on google maps this looks like it could be it you know uh kind of thing what can you can you break down some of that uh the logistics of of that yeah, I mean, you got it. That's exactly it. We're in touch with farmers. All, oh, okay. uh, sometimes, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, no, all, all of those things, you know, we're looking around on Google Maps, we're uh, reaching out to, to nonprofits or, or local government offices. And then, like you mentioned, a lot of farmers more and more are reaching out to us, they find us on social media, they see us on Shark Tank, you know, like, uh, we, we, the idea that we're presenting, you know, export your own spices, make more money, have more control over the supply chain. That's a pretty appealing idea to, to an entrepreneurial spice farmer in, in almost any country. Um, and that's, that's really what has worked with our model is that, you know, as you mentioned, it's very difficult to find farmers, but, uh, the, the way that we work with farmers can really, really turn their, their businesses around. We can really help them grow and, and make, you know, 10 plus X uh, per kilo what they would have been making earlier selling it into the commodity market. So uh, farmers are definitely eager to work with us. That makes it easier to find people. Um, we're planning a trip right now, actually, uh, to Ethiopia and Tanzania, meeting with some existing suppliers and some new suppliers uh, you know, we've we've been all over the world. Travel really, when you when you do it the way that we do it, at least, is not very expensive. Um, you know, we're we're staying often on the farms or or in small towns or something near the farms, pretty bare bones places. But but that's uh, honestly that's uh, one of the many fun parts of this job is that we not only get to but but. Um, we really have seen the value over time in traveling, visiting people in person, spending time on the farm, understanding what a farmer's business model and lifestyle is like. What are their priorities for themselves and their families? And to have a frank conversation in both directions, have them get to know us in the same way as well so that it's uh, it's a real partnership that we're building over time. It's not a it's not a kind of a, a buy what you can or, or uh, you know, price shopping kind of kind of deal. We're, we're working with people long term. You know, um, it, something that just came to me, uh, you know, the are, are, have you guys run into I, I know that the cocoa farmers have this issue of, of child labor. Right. And and uh, specifically like Tony's. I had never heard of Tony's. I happened to be in an airport. I was like, huh, this sounds really good. Let me try it out. I didn't know anything about. It. So I'm flying after I, I got the Tony's. It's sitting sitting on my lap. And I and I'm watching last week tonight, and I'm like, wait, I'm eating that chocolate. Right. I never even heard of nice. this before. I just happened to be in the the Hudson News store and was like, wow, pretzel chocolate or you know pretzel nut chocolate or whatever. Like that sounds really good. I'll give it. You know, I didn't know even know what I paid for it at the time, <laughs> but and then realized afterwards that was expensive. I get a lot cheaper, um, but you know when I'm not in an airport. And uh, but but it, you know you staying at the farm, I imagine that you you would be you know, first, you know, front row seats, if that was the case, but is that something that's plaguing that in, you know, the spice industry as well as the cocoa uh, farmer industry? Yeah. I, I think the broad problem is that uh, farmers are not set up to, to make enough money to cover their, their cost of living. The, the pressure of the commodity market on smallholder farmers, almost regardless of what they grow, whether it's uh, you know, cacao or coffee or spices or wheat or, or anything else 
the the pressure is is on farmers to reduce their costs, um, and that results in all kinds of problems. Child labor being one of them, but also reduction in quality being another one. That's what we saw particularly in spices. Is that you know when farmers were incentivized to grow higher volumes, they were always growing lower quality, using lots of herbicides, pesticides, chemical fertilizers, all kinds of things that. That, that all they did was increase volume, but they, they decreased the quality. Uh, you know, the flavor of the spice was, was really significantly reduced. And that's, you know, that, that's an area that we were able to, to work with farmers on by, by assuring them high purchase prices, by working with them, you know, planning out year over year. They can grow for quality. They can grow at really high quality spices with a ton of flavor and, and make, uh, you know, make even more money and, and have a more profitable business with that as the foundation. Oh, that I mean, that is that is great to hear, and you get all the stories, right? Getting to be there, staying on the farm, and and uh, and being involved with what what I would hope is in most cases a family uh, that owns the farm, not just some local company that you know is conglomerating to their to their local market. But um, uh, so going into uh, the tank, did you guys did you guys have a shark in mind, and why was it Kevin? <laughs> that's right kevin's always like he's he's sitting around he's waiting um we we found out just a few days before um that gwyneth paltrow was going to be the guest shark and that was that was really exciting uh she had just come off of her uh i wish you well uh ski accident settlement so she was really a uh, flying high um I don't know. I think everyone just kind of wishes, like looks at Mark just because of his deep pockets. He's he's vegan or vegetarian. He, he kind of, you know, it has invested in other food businesses too for, for the love of the food and has like also access to outlets where those kind of food businesses can be sold at. So he's always was kind of like high on the list. Um, and, and then we were just looking around, but we just we were really interested to see what they would say. We knew we were asking for more money. So we were even hoping that maybe it would be a shark combo that we could in some way kind of bring on a couple of them to come on board. But I think any any early stage business, one of the biggest challenges is really like awareness and marketing. And the sharks have such a huge following and such massive awareness. Also, being on Shark Tank is an excellent you know form of exposure too. But but really, we were hoping that that one of those could really get behind it. And I think that uh, Mark has a meaningful connection to food. I think that Lori has a good connection to food. Gwyneth, of course, uh, uh, you know has has been the person that's created food trends like worldwide in in all kinds of wacky ways. Um, so we, we kind of came in there. We were going to give our best pitch. We were hoping that a couple would maybe kind of throw their hat in the ring. And then the second we saw Mr. Wonderful starting to do this with his hands, we knew uh, we knew we might be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that uh, would be – so, I mean, in, in the show, they showed that everybody went out pretty quickly. I Do you, do you know how long you were out there on the floor? <laughs> Yeah, it was close to an hour. Uh, the actual uh, pitch and, and negotiation or conversation. Um, we, you know, the other thing I'll add is that we do a lot of royalty deals. Uh, like that's a big part of our business. We work with a lot of chefs and and creators of various kinds to make spice blends where we pay royalties. Uh, it works very well for us. So. Uh, you know, our, our little back and forth with Mr. Wonderful at the end where we offered him a royalty deal. Actually, we offered him the exact same terms we offered to all of our collaborators, cookbook authors, you know, chefs without a big following. We, we felt like it was it's a good deal uh, and it's worked with a lot of other people. So we wanted to, to extend the same deal to him. Um, you know, we knew it was a long shot. It, it was kind of a last ditch attempt after other sharks had gone out. But 
uh, we felt like it was worth trying. And, and so we went for it. Yeah. And we had a lot of back and forth and a lot of conversations with the sharks, the action sequence. We went into the hallway and discussed Mr. Wonderful's deal like that. Like everyone was like, you were so quick on your feet. We were like, well, they, they cut out a lot of this, us blankly staring into the, <laughs> and like are the gears in our brains working. But, but I think Joe, you said this when you reviewed the episode where like, this was what we, we thought that like we would call Mr. Wonderful up with the deal and say like, look, you say you're chef wonderful. You say you have all this influence. You say you have all these like millions and millions of followers in this massive database. Like, like, here you go. Here's a thing where you can kind of put it to work. And he, and, and he kind of like saw our deal kind of looked at it, said, no, thank you. And so we, we kind of uh, uh, tried to stick to our original guns. If it was just going to be Mr. Wonderful, if he was asking for something that, you know, in most cases was larger, like, could have been larger than our profit margin. It's like we would have lost money if we would have, like we wouldn't have been able to pay him back, right? Without without get, getting further down. So we were really hoping that he would kind of also like take the bait on a classic royalty deal that Ethan said, tried and true, works well, we can fulfill it. But with Mr. Wonderful at the helm of it, we thought it could be beautiful. Like he did it with a potato mailer thing and like yep. all like, potato like we, he could really put his name and his signature on it. Um, but but he wanted more. And that was that was hard for us to wrap our heads around how we could both give him that and still run the business profitably without having to then bring on other investment. But you were asking for five hundred thousand dollars. It wasn't just <laughs> like, hey, Kevin, do you want to make two dollars and well, uh, some cents per per 39. jar of spice? Yeah. Like, you know, and not give us, th- you know, half a million dollars in the process. Um, yeah, and so, it could have yeah. been instead of, or in addition to, or something. But he 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 wanted it all. I don't know. We we it was hard for us to negotiate back. But we thought that listen, if if Mr. Wonderful can drive ten thousand, twenty thousand people to buy, he'll he'll like in in no in a month or two, like in no time, he'll make his money back. Yeah, but you know, then he's <laughs> we but, don't buy it, Joe. Like, the, no, because <laughs> Mr. The, the the chef wonderful thing is like in addition to it's a. Yeah. I don't want to say throwaway thing, but it's but it's in a it's an add on to what he brings to the you know brings to the table. Um, yeah, but, or, you know, or I, it's a it sort of mitigates the risk. He's making cash back uh, through that Chef Wonderful program while we build value in in the company overall. But uh, yeah, again, I, I if you were asking for like one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand, maybe, but not yeah. for not to give half a million dollars and him have to go to work to make it back. Um, that's yeah. Like I said, that's, that's it's fair. like an ad. It's like a it's a bonus, and there's an added bonus of of things. But yeah, no, I I think that you guys at least having that game plan. Um, and it's I'm a little surprised, but I mean, Barbara did say that she's like, I wish you had come in asking for like two hundred thousand or something, um, because she probably would have taken, you know, maybe would have wanted to take you up on that offer, or even Gwen, right? Like, would have maybe wanted to take up on that offer. Like, oh, I'll put I'll, this is an addition to right to uh to the deal um yeah and or or if you had were able to give that royalty to him i don't know however many cents per per bottle or uh, you know and then on top of that if he sells any of his chef wonderful uh spices it's yeah i, I it's yeah. it's tough because you you know you're putting it you're really putting it to the test right it's not an add-on bonus it's like i'm not making my money back if i don't go and 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 do acts. yeah and i'll tell you i mean you know this it's not like a typical like like we would not have accepted any investor money under under kind of this like duress and bright lights and cameras and all that stuff again like, any other and that's the tank you know and you got to come in there and i think that like 
I think that that if we would have sat with them on a conference table and negotiated and gone back and forth, like we could have really hashed out the like, like, well, what's holding you up? What's holding you? Like, how can we come together and make all this happen? But we had to take our best shot. We thought that maybe 500K would be palatable for a for a multi-shark deal. Or maybe we should have come in with like asking for 250 and then and then getting a bunch of interest would have then they would have naturally formed some of those alliances. But I think that that's exactly what every entrepreneur does ahead of the shark tank is you sit and you strategize. And I, there's some entrepreneurs that come in asking for like 10K just to kind of get a shark on board and be like, let's let's just go. Like you don't have to think about this, just say yes and let's move. And so everyone kind of game plans it. And then we practice our pitch a million times but then you, but then, then it's kind of like open season. And so then it's about us trying to figure out who wants what and who we can play with and all that. And that's, that's, uh, that's such a high stakes, high pressure thing. So we, we, we worked in the tank. We wanted to give them something that felt like a little bit of a stretch and what they would normally do. But, but then we also had our Mr. Wonderful royalty deal, but, uh, uh, they balked. They didn't, they thought we were asking for too much. It's tough. Well, you think you got it hard. Think about the 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 three uh, entrepreneurs that were there for the live episode. They only had like literally oh ten minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like oh, it looked like it had eight you know eight minutes on the floor. No, no, they you had an hour and they like literally got ten. So yeah, after going um, through that whole process, we were like, how are they going to do it? Literally in eight minutes. Like it took them more than eight minutes just to change out the sets. You know, just to like get our table out there with all the stuff on it. <laughs> but but they they pulled it off. It was it was it a great was. Uh, live season uh, kickoff. It was a feat for sure. Um, so speaking of prepare, uh, what? How did you guys go about balancing your life, the business, and the gauntlet that is being getting ready to be on Shark Tank or potentially even being on Shark Tank? Well, yeah, in even the, also had a newborn too. Yeah, right <laughs> in the I, in the immediate lead up to uh, our taping. I moved uh, with my wife and I think he was eight weeks old at that point, eight week old son. We, we picked up and moved to, to LA for a few weeks. My in-laws are there. So it's nice to, to spend time with the family, but really the goal was to practice. And then Ori wound up coming and staying with us. You know, it was our, like our, our prep, uh, we were, you know, our prep house. We were, we were locked in together talking about Shark Tank 24 seven with flashcards and gaming out different scenarios, practicing our pitch. Uh, you know, analyzing every single word that we were using. What if we use this word or what if we say it differently? What what message does that send? We, we really took it very seriously um, because, you know, obviously we were on Shark Tank to make a deal and the pitch was aimed at the sharks. But uh, but you, you also, you, you know, you never forget the four million people watching at home. So uh, we wanted to make sure that the message that we were sending would resonate not only with the sharks as part of our you know pitch for an investor, but also. Uh, you know, make a, a good kind of commercial. Tell tell the world what we're doing and and why it's worth why it's why it's worth trying our spices. Really, yeah, it was a big exercise in reducing and simplifying and and sharing. Like like what are we, what's a social enterprise? Should we say that? Should we say public benefit corporation? Should we do this? Like it was really so. It was everything from which spices go onto the on in front of the sharks to make sure that if and when the episode airs, that we'll have a good inventory of that. What do we want to show them? What's a good lineup? what feels approachable, what feels like, because people aren't here for a cooking show. People aren't here that are cooking enthusiasts. Some percentage are, but we still, even if you're not, we wanted to show them something that was interesting. We had a lot of conversations over, do they taste the spices as a prepared dish? And ultimately we thought that that would be a little bit too much of a distraction and that it might be fun to have them taste black peppercorns and eat them and cough and, and breathe in some cinnamon dust and all that. We thought that would 
A, really focus on the spices and B, just be a little more entertaining. And we did everything from like, like you have to kind of send in everything for the set yourself. Like we had to find a company that would deliver live plants within location of the studio and to kind of get them all set up. And we had to print out these giant backdrops and all this and that. And so to look good on TV for eight minutes, I mean, we, we were working on this. We even applied in 2021, didn't make it in. And then in 2020, because they had some other, they said there was somebody else too similar on that season. I don't remember who it was, mm. but that ultimately it was. But um, but then we got in in 2022, and and ultimately we ended up filming on a sourcing trip to Guatemala in the cloud forests of Guatemala, where the cardamom grows. We we stood in front of two gigantic cardamom plants and and filmed and filmed this video, which was just just fun and interesting. Everyone asked us if it was like a green screen background. And we're like, no, we, we really, we really did it. And all the way from there to turning it into like a two minute pitch to figure out wardrobe and excitement and what happens where and where the microphones go and all that stuff. It was such a heavy duty thing. And, and our team, both we, at that point, we, we had some teammates that could kind of like keep pushing the business forward while we were semi distracted, but, but it was a really big investment. And we just ended up really like doing figure out what it would take to get this done. And we filmed it. I went up to visit Ethan and where he was living and we taped a bunch of like preparation things. And then the, the, in LA, the house, like we just really put the time into it because we knew that the payoff of getting in front of the sharks was, was massive. So we really wanted to put time and effort into it um, while doing everything we could to keep the business going. But, but like you said, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a big investment of time and it's a longer process than people anticipate. And then after the filming, there's no guarantee that it'll air too, right? Cause they film more than they air. And so then we have to do all this work to say, okay, well, what if it airs, how much inventory do we need? But what, but what if it doesn't air and what do we not pack? And so we, we staged bulk sacks of spices and jars and lids and labels at our packing facilities. And we just said, just hold on to these for a second. We'll let you know if you need to do anything with them. And when we got the email, they send you a note three weeks ahead of time or so when, when Shark Tank is going to air um, three uh, on Friday at like 4 p.m. We're like, go, go, go. Pack as fast as you can. We got to start making moves. And so we tried to do all this stuff to try to mitigate it because we talked to so many people on Shark Tank that had been on the show and the show aired. And within three seconds, they ran out of inventory. And everybody else was like, well, this was nice, but uh, let me know when you're when you're restocked. And and they just missed out on a lot of the benefit of being on Shark Tank, which is getting that kind of FaceTime in front of the sharks and in front of America. Yeah, no, that is definitely a, a challenge of not having enough uh, enough inventory um, for that. Now, uh, I I so I did you reapply in in twenty twenty two. Or did they just call you up and be like, "Hey, we got we got a room for you this." No, Ethan, no we, you had we, gotten in touch with a producer, right, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. We there was a year where we missed the cycle. Anyway, no, they we had to reapply from scratch. We, we've heard of companies, or we have some friends who've been invited on. That was not uh, not the case for us. We had to do it the hard way. <laughs> no, I, I mean most of the people that have come on my show have they uh, they were invited onto the show. They they were select you know selected to uh, selected to apply. I should say, 
um, and kind of, I don't want to say fast track, but they, you know, we had to claw our way into there. I mean, the first step is we talked to a lot of folks that had been on the show because it's pretty like we watched the show. We're fans. And and so we just reached out to people that we saw on the show and said, Hey, would you mind talking? We're thinking about applying for this. What do you have to say? And we heard from a lot of them, the same thing of saying it was absolutely worth it. It was huge for my business. And as long as the sharks kind of liked their products, then, then that translated into sales. When the sharks tore them up, some of these people got some pity sales, we heard. But as long as they liked it and, and did that deal, no deal, it seemed like people then like really came in and, and, and it was a big advertisement for their business amongst you know a huge group of people. So, so we heard about all these people having really positive experiences and, and we just said, okay, we got to find some way to kind of make this happen. And maybe it was our gumption or us just continuing. Mean, we heard many companies that have applied for years time and time again. And it's a lot of work, but that's, we knew that they have so many companies applying that we knew that when they asked us to do something, we did it as fast as we could. And when they asked for this information, we supplied that. When they needed that, we did it this way. And so it was really, we wanted to show them that we were both very reliable and also good for it and taking it very seriously, which hopefully would then translate to the producers to say, hey, let's keep working with these guys because because they're they're gonna they're gonna show up in a, in a cool way when, when we're ready to film. <laughs> Now, once you guys got back uh, from, you know, from recording, what did you guys do to prepare the business for your, you know, 15 seconds of fame? Yeah, we, we shook it out like all the nerves. We, we kind of shook out our shoulders. No, but we, we talked to the team and we kind of at that point, you know, we had like maybe somewhere between five and 10 kind of people between full time and part time. Anyway, working with us on the business. And what we did is, is we really tried to get ready because we said we don't know if it's going to air. And if it airs, we don't know when. It could be any time throughout the season. But we had high hopes because we knew that Gwyneth Paltrow only filmed so many episodes. And so getting a guest shark, we just thought to ourselves, uh, hopefully makes our chances a little bit better. But what we did is we started, we, we took the spices that we had shown the sharks. We then made plans to prep a whole lot of it. And you're guessing. So we tried to guess. We talked to other companies. How much did you sell? How did it go? All this and that. There's a really strong camaraderie amongst Shark Tank alumni, which is actually really cool. I'm in a Facebook group of other Shark Tank alumni. Like we were talking to other folks all the time. They helped us with pitch prep. But what we did is we started planning out our best guess for what would happen and what would happen if we got even more than that. Like how do we then kind of really quickly re-up and keep people going? We reached out to all of our site providers, like everyone that powers our site and say, hey, we're about to have a spike in traffic. Please don't shut down our site. Please don't stop working on our site. We just want to let you know that we're going to have a lot of people coming in a very short amount of time. It's not a malware attack. It's like <laughs> it's real customers. So just put us on the, like the safe list so that you know that we can kind of have that capacity. And then we made the Shark Tank set and we made a Shark Tank set of four spices that shipped for free, which is the four spices the sharks tried on the show, plus some other goodies. Uh, we had like a little drawstring gift bag and kitchen towels. And then we also made the kind of expanded set of seven spices. So that's the four spices plus three other kind of like classics that you'd want to try and have in your kitchen and all of that. And we got the site ready. We got the listings ready. We got our, our packing facilities ready to kind of go. And then we got our fulfillment centers ready because the fulfillment centers also, they can't scale up and down. You're, you're like getting ready for like a tsunami sized wave to hit your business. And what we just realized is that customers are going to give us a moment to visit our site and they're either going to say this looks great and lives up to the hype and they're going to make a purchase or they're going to see the site not loading the product being sold out something broken and they'll be like i'm out of here no thank you 
Um, and so we prepped all that stuff. And then the last thing that we heard from folks is that apparently Shark Tank viewers love Amazon. And I think the reason is that they know that companies tend to sell out and sites tend to crash. And so they'll go onto Amazon because they know that Amazon is going to ship quickly and we'll have it. So we very quickly also sent a bunch of stuff into the Amazon warehouses, which was not a big, big channel for us. But since Shark Tank has been much bigger. So we really talked to so many people, heard all their experience, tried to learn from it. And really, we just said, do whatever we need to do to stay in stock because these people are only going to come once and we're only going to have their attention for a very short amount of time to make that first purchase. And if we get it right history for our business shows that there'll be regular repeat good lifelong customers. And that's, that's also uh, proven out to be true. Yeah, no. Well, that's, that's awesome to hear. Now I want to say thank you to both of you for sending uh, me a box. I have not had a chance to um, try them yet. Uh, I've been traveling a lot in January, but I did get to open the box and check out the hand towels. They were very nice. Uh, And the box, the presentation, I kept the box uh, and the, and the book because I, I will probably shoot a video. My kids have been asking for a video to, to shoot. It's been a little while since I've done one with them. Uh, nice. So I will probably do one with them. Um, yeah, we'll, maybe, oh, spring when spring break comes up in March. Because uh, nice. the kids will be home. I'll be home uh, with the kids solo. So uh, we'll, we'll be making, we'll make some videos. Um, nice. And But I hope to try the spice as well before then. Uh, but I, I yeah, I, I just want to say like the presentation, uh, the jars, all like super, like if, if that's any representation of the quality of what it's going to taste like once I get to taste it, uh, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be phenomenal. Well, I'm telling Thanks. you, so many companies put so much effort into their products and they ship it to you in a box full of just like crumpled up brown paper. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, like make <laughs> this experience nice. Like hand it to somebody like they just bought your thing. Like let it arrive in a really nice way. Sorry, uh, uh, yes. No, we, we had the opportunity to build a, a company that was optimized for e-commerce. Uh, I mean, COVID was a huge boost for our business. Prior to Shark Tank, that was the, I mean, just unbelievable growth. We were mostly a, at least half a restaurant supply company before COVID. So we, we really, um, we came up in this e-com oriented environment and had the opportunity because of the, that COVID growth to, to design every aspect of, of our customers' experience uh, suddenly we were hitting minimums that we could only have dreamed of, you know, in terms of box production and uh, buying high quality jars and lids. Um, so, so right. We we've been able to optimize, you know, a, a non ice cream product uh, for, uh, for, for shipping online. And, and, um, and yeah, it's, I'm glad you, you were able to, to see some of that in the packaging. Yeah. Oh, I, abs- absolutely. So uh, speaking of C, uh, what did you guys do for a watch party? Did you have one? How did it go? Yeah, we had a we had a great party. Uh, 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 you know, we we uh, are lucky enough to have a lot of friends in the restaurant and uh, food business. So uh, a good friend of ours, Mark Murphy, who's a, uh, kind of a celebrity chef, a longtime judge on Chopped. Uh, he offered to host a party in his restaurant in Tribeca in Manhattan. Um, so that was great. We had kind of nibbles and, and then uh, we projected the episode up on the wall. Uh, we had never seen it either. And then suddenly we had, you know, a hundred or so of our, our closest friends, our, our parents, you know, customers, longtime supporters of the business. Uh, it was really the first time we'd gotten everybody together in a room like that. Um, and we all watched the episode live and then we switched it over to our Shopify uh, dashboard. 
and, and just had everybody watch the crazy spike in traffic. You know, like Ori mentioned, people really shop live. They're, they're on company websites during the pitch, during the show. Uh, yes. So that was pretty crazy to see the, the number, you know, the visitor number on our website just skyrocket in a second. Um, and then uh, we did a little Q and A, uh, you know, not not to miss an opportunity to have a good conversation about the the you know the bigger significance of what we're doing, why we're a social enterprise. Um, Ori led a Q and A Q&A with our with our guests, <laughs> Try, you know, not to make it too academic, but uh, but to have a conversation about about Shark Tank and and what that experience was like for us and and what it meant uh, for our business. Well, that that sound, that sounds awesome. I I love that you um you I think you're the first ones to tell me to put that you put the the spike of traffic up on the screen after uh it was done. What you know we were done watching the pitch, um and so you guys didn't run into any issues or anything like that with your your site. We, we had like we, we're not we're a remote team, so some people were in New York. Many people are are living in other cities around the place. So the remote folks uh, had the burden of of making sure that everything was up and running, and the local folks got to come to the party. But like both of our parents were at the party. Like we invited as many journalists as we could. We invited a lot of chefs and other industry folks that have helped us out. And so we just wanted it to really be a celebration. I mean, Ethan and I knew the outcome of it. But but like you said, we filmed for almost an hour. We didn't know what the cut would be and like how they'd make us look. And like we, we had no idea. So we see it live for the first time with everybody else. And so we saw the site traffic go way up. And, and I think as a testament to all of the preparation work that we had, we really were trying. And because also we were we were already like six, seven years into it. So like, it wasn't like this was our first year and then we get hit with this crazy wave. And so our team showed up, our, our, our partners, our site didn't go down. Um, we had enough inventory, like it was really wonderful. And what we also learned, one of the keys of e-commerce is, is to just set people's expectations well. So we just put notes all over the site of saying, hey, we're taking orders. It's gonna take three to five days for your order to ship. Don't worry about it. Like we're on it. And to just try to kind of make sure that like nobody would be stressed out or, or think that things would come immediately. And then they like we really did a lot of expectation setting. And we learned that like you could take a month to ship something out as long as you told the customer that it's going to take you a month for it to ship out. If you didn't tell them, then they're, then you're going to be dealing in customer support questions all day long. And like there it's fair for them to freak out. Um, but but we learned enough to be able to preempt that and really have a, a smooth flow of all of that. But it was one of our it was it was Friday night between 8 p.m. when the show aired and midnight was was our biggest like day in the business. Like it, it, we had never taken on capacity. And then Saturday was the second biggest. So it's just this really, really crazy influx of orders. Uh, and so it was also a test to us to see just how how ready we could be. And we took it so seriously and so professionally because i think we learned that that you either nail it or people move along like you don't get a second chance for this yeah i mean it's great that you you were able to to meet the supply needs of uh of the night and uh and as well as the you know having the website can you know keep up and um that i mean i know that in in early years that was definitely a much bigger problem on the on the website side going down um but that you know that that speaks to all the prepare you know preparedness that you guys went through to make sure that that wasn't the case and, and three to five days realistically come on like that's i wouldn't expect anything to ship the if this was day. our chance you, but it's good that you communicated it well if you yeah. placed an order friday night during the show you living in in philly you would have yeah. had your order on monday we would have shipped it out on Saturday and it would have got to you by Monday. 
Uh, that's still one, two. That's still like, well to ship out in three days or to be delivered. No, we it was we we saw it as an op- yeah we saw it as an opportunity to really make a point that like if people order from us we take it seriously and we deliver it quickly. We also saw it as a point that like we make money when this comes in, but so does our fulfillment center and so does our packing facility and so do our partner farmers that we get to buy more. So we also saw this as an opportunity. Like this is our social impact. Like we would be remiss if we weren't able to kind of show up for this and really, really build it out in the right way. So ultimately, like people talk about it's stressful, it's crazy, sure, all those things. But it's also an opportunity to call all of our partners up and be like, we're going to have the biggest day of our careers. Like, are you all ready? And we did that and we brought the whole team together and and we really were able to to show up across the whole supply chain. That That is awesome. Uh, and, you know, and that's one of the reasons I think business is such a great thing, right? You're able to impact so many people's lives, not just customers, but the employees and the, the people that are shipping and t- everybody that's touching, uh, putting the fingerprints on, the, on around the business, uh, and, and affecting so many people. So I, I, you know, I, um, I think it's really awesome that we as entrepreneurs and super entrepreneurs get to affect so many lives, uh, hopefully mostly positively uh through through our ability to uh deliver something that people either want or need yeah i, I just i regret that we didn't bring our own little little bell for our end too to contribute also oh. so when are you gonna start merchandising joe I, I I need to I I want to get a bell that's the uh, Liberty Bell that you know like I could like ding it but I need one that's like big enough to sit in the background of my videos mm. so like I can like 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 almost like a gong right but it's a Liberty Bell because you know this is Philly yeah um, <laughs> so uh, how did you guys come across my video uh, I was giving a, a talk to a supply chain class at Baruch College in in New York. Uh, and the professor had the whole class watch your video to prepare for my talk. I, I don't think I had seen it. It must have just come out. So I walked into this classroom to talk to this group of students. You know, I was going to talk about supply chains and, and logistics. And suddenly they were very well prepared uh, with all the questions, you know, all the points that you had made <laughs> during the video. They then all they wanted to do was talk about Shark Tank and, and make all those same points. So I then had to go home and watch the video. And it was great. And and, uh, you know, Ori and I really appreciated the things that you said about about the pitch and the way that you reacted to it. So, uh, we, you know, we, we reached out. Oh, that is so that is that is so cool to hear. I've I've only had one other teacher reach out to me so far to uh to talk about the videos and and all that. But um but they if you're they're watching like, I'm I'm happy to give a talk. Like let's 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 make it happen, you know? Um no, that is that is great that uh that that many people get to see it and and experience it in a way that um, my wife got to experience it for so many years, um, you know, but no, it's yeah, that is serious, but also, um, you know, I, I just, it, to me, it's, it's, a, you know, it's always about teaching and learning, right? I'm always learning because I'm not in the spice business, right? I know numbers, systems, processes, team building, uh, offer building, marketing, but specifics to the different businesses. Like to me, it's always a challenge. And that's one of the reasons why I do it. Uh, in real time, I don't stop the video and like, oh, let me go do some searches and make it make me sound really smart. Like, well, I, I recorded for two hours 
and then chopped it down to an eight minute like funnel of like this is the best i look so smart look at me i don't know everything and i don't purport to know everything um it, i'm both here to teach and to learn at the same time so uh i appreciate you guys going on and, and getting to teach uh me as well as the other super entrepreneurs about the spice business and and what it takes to uh to not just sit in an ivory tower, um, but actually go into those businesses, those farms, and and spend time with those families and uh, the the business families, you know, that they're working together, you know, the the the, em the employees of that that become the business family is what I'm specifically saying, uh, and and get to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, and um, and I think you know, as you were saying about Shark Tank, that's what makes the show so so much fun, so entertaining, is that you can actually learn a lot about an industry and, and a particular business model in you know an eight minute segment. Uh, we probably watched, I don't know, I I was never a big Shark Tank fan before the before this process, but I probably watched every single back episode. Um, because you know, you, we we realized that you had to embrace the the style, right? You had to you had to do a Shark Tank style pitch uh, in order for it to resonate, and so that's what we that's what we tried to do. But uh, it's you know anyway, it's because the show is is so good at that that we all uh, enjoy watching it. Yeah, well, it is you know it is still TV, right? Like we we you gotta. You got to hit the mark as far as making something entertaining and being uh, more upbeat than if you were just sitting around a, a, a boarding uh, board table or something and, and talking about it. Yeah. So, but also, like, it's such okay. a valuable source for, for, for early stage company details, right? Like, when else can you hear another company like say, hey, we sell tinned fish and here's our revenue for the past three years? Like, here's our margins. Like, it was also, like, I had been watching it all along because it was just a really interesting recon. And, like, there's lots of food entrepreneurs on there. And if you're somebody who has a food business or is thinking about starting a food business or any other category on Shark Tank, like, just watch a bunch of pitches. You'll get to see all, all of people's numbers and some of the, learn some of the back-end stuff. And that was really interesting always to hear how well this like non-alcoholic spirit company is doing and how well this fish company is doing and how well this vinegar company is doing and ice cream company and what they're working with. And so I always found that was fascinating. And I didn't think that there was any other place that you could really hear kind of early stage entrepreneurs share a lot about the financials and the fundamentals of their businesses on, on such a public stage as things are locked behind, you know, walls usually. And so I thought that was just fascinating. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, to have people um, come forward and especially the ones that are more um, forthcoming with the truth than than others. I mean, I try to be positive. I always looking for the, the positive, uh, it, it, you know, to, to be able to take a positive out for not just the person that's that was on Shark Tank. Right. You guys are real people with your real business, with your real experiences. Yes, the sharks are real. And all that but they also are playing characters on tv um <laughs> uh, we, we don't, i mean i know i know you're gonna hide something right you hide it is it 58 minutes into a podcast um <laughs> you know if you got something something that you know or some dirt or whatever but uh, yeah I, I i know i know they're not perfect they're humans right um and and well, i think they should be remembered as such 
Yeah, totally. And that was one thing I realized quickly when we, you know, we walked out onto the carpet and, and you're looking at the sharks. That was the first chance that we had had to meet them face to face. And and you see all of the the TV, the you know, the 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 I don't know what you call it, the art of making TV, like all, all the behind the scenes stuff you see in person, you know, the makeup and and the shoes that that are coming on and off and the the way that people are sitting. We I really started to understand that they're playing characters. And so we needed to play characters as well, kind of in the same world as their characters, uh, not the way that we might interact with people in our day to day lives. But but uh, but but they play their characters really well. They have a ton of experience doing it. They do it all the time. And, and we could, we could try to, to get to that level of, of performance. Yeah. I mean, without the, without that, you know, 13 seasons of experience plus, uh, I mean, like Kevin O'Leary was on dragons then before that. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot to catch up to, um, and to, yeah. you know, a different level of preparation that I, maybe not everybody, you know, has really considered uh, that's going to be going on the show to realize like, you know, this is still TV and, and there's, you know, the sharks are people, but they're also really very much playing characters on their, on their, uh, there. And, and while you guys are playing up your, your personalities and stuff to be able to, to fit that stage, again, you're still real people. You still got real businesses and there's the real experiences and having those shared stories, um, from the entrepreneurs, again, sometimes if you read between the lines, because some people accuse me of being overly positive all the time. I'm like, well, if you read between the lines, when we got to looking at their website and looking at the social media, could use some work, right? And <laughs> and maybe what they're saying, maybe maybe it was true at the time. I don't know. This is you know, it's a year or two removed, um, but you know, sometimes things aren't always as they seem. But the people that are willing to be uh, honest and upfront about it, usually the ones that are coming on here, I can tell you firsthand as a, as a super entrepreneur watching here, uh, I've become friends with most of the almost all the people that have come on this show. And the ones that haven't reached out for an interview were the ones that I'm like, yeah, I don't think they're going to. But we'll see. Like, they're, they're you're welcome, but I haven't heard anything. So um, yeah. it just is what it is. Well, we're happy that you're having us and, and that we get to be both have watched the analysis and now we get to confront you about it. No, but it was, yes. it was really wonderful. <laughs> um, and, and I'm glad that you're, you're doing the work and, and digging in and talking to people about it. And also, like we also are, right, like you said, not the people that they saw for eight minutes on TV, but we're also people that are trying to build the business and trying to like run this social enterprise and all that other wonderful stuff. So, so we, we really appreciate that you're adding, I think an extra dimension to like the whole shark tank experience. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I hope that the people that uh, don't get it and don't understand, I hope so. You know, a lot of them have come around, you know, they said, oh, I really hated that watching the show with you. And then, you know, they watched three or four videos and they're like, Oh, I get it now. I understand what he's trying to accomplish with this. And, you know, instead of just throwing judgment, quick snap judgment around. Like I know I'm, I'm giving snap judgment too, but I'm trying to be as positive as possible <laughs> because it's from coming from an educational standpoint. Yeah. But speaking of educational, uh, real quick, Ori and Ethan, what did you want to be when you grew up? Do you know, I can share that. Like I, I grew up in a house, my dad's a marine biologist, a scientist, my mom's an architect. Uh, I've watched them both 
be both incredible at their field, but struggle with the business side of their fields. And so like, like as a kid, like I thought I wanted to be a scientist like my dad, then he had us cleaning out fish tanks and dissecting fish and that very clearly became uh, not not an option, all that stuff. But even for me as a young kid, like I just saw like where, where they were kind of uh, 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 getting stuck and I started getting interested in trying to figure this out. So like um, even I even went to University of Maryland, studied business as an undergrad and I didn't know what I would what I would become or where it would apply or anything like that. And like, you know, Joe, you can talk about lots of different types of businesses, but like, where do you like kind of anchor your boat? And so I was just, uh, I was, I was really glad that, that I think through Ethan got that connection to food and was able to kind of apply my background and my skills in business and in entrepreneurship to, to that whole food world, to just bring two things that I separately love, um, uh, into one place. But man, my dad out of four kids, zero scientists. And I think that it has something to do with just, uh, just how much science education we got, uh, in the first few years of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fish are friends, not food. <laughs> we love them <laughs> no i had them for lunch i'm good <laughs> i'm on the same side and i i uh, come from a, a long line of entrepreneurs actually although it took me a long time to figure out that that's what i wanted to do with my life my my mother owned a toy store i grew up in my mother's toy store my grandmother had a hardware store um uh, but i had other careers that i pursued you know working in in restaurants i thought i wanted to be a chef for a while and then working as an aid worker i thought that's what i would I wanted to do with my career. Uh, and it was only this kind of funny idea that we stumbled into, you know, for both of us connecting food with, with our, our work, uh, and, and having an impact on the world. Um, that was a real breakthrough. I think if, if you went and talked to, to me as a kid and said, this, this is the job that you would be doing. I think I'd be pretty excited about that. It's a, it's a pretty cool job that we get to do. So, uh, so I think it worked out in the end. I think you you absolutely to be like I'm gonna go stay on these farms and things like that. You have to be very passionate about what you're doing. So yeah, uh, that, yeah, I mean, you got you got to love the cool. travel. <laughs> we're yeah. we're planning out this. We're flying to Ethiopia on Saturday. Uh, you know that's a that's a 16 plus hour journey um, with a stop in West Africa. So uh, that's only to get there. Then we have flights almost every single day while we're in East Africa. It's uh it's it's schleppy as we say in new york but it's uh but it's worth it <laughs> Schle- yeah it's a word i hadn't heard in a little while <laughs> you bring um, new so- york entrepreneurs onto your podcast you're gonna hear yeah. some yiddish <laughs> <laughs> uh so what what is the future of uh barrel up and barrel looking like uh we have some cool new uh products go ahead or do you go ahead well, I, yeah, I, we're, we're, the Shark Tank brought a lot of new people into our like orbit, which was really great to bring them in. And we're trying to expand the business in a couple of ways. I mean, like Ethan was talking about, like we we have we have a bunch of exciting new products, and we're we're going to source some new. We've been building out our origin blends of spice blends from origin, grown and blended by the farmers at origin according to their traditional recipes. People love single spices, but blends are just a little bit easier to use. And so you don't have to have six different spices. You can have it all in one jar, shake it out. Dinner is beautiful. We're working on the first, our first import of whole chilies from Mexico. We've just heard so many stories from chefs and, and restaurateurs and home cooks that they just can't get high quality chilies, uh, Mexican chilies here. And many of them are come from China anyways. Um, we're, we're working on, on right now expanding out our line of extracts. 
So we worked with a great company called Bittercube um, to make our cardamom extract. And people love that so much that we're expanding it into vanilla, into uh, saffron, into nutmeg extracts to just really easy to add to baked goods, add to your oatmeal, add to your coffee, just, just really fun and easy ways. And we're expanding our lineup of single origin sugars and salts because who, who knows, when was the last time you knew where your sugar came from, right? Sugar is still comes from a plant, from cane, from, from coconut, from maple trees, from all that stuff. You can make sugar out of all these things. Who has any idea? Where, where those came from. And so what we see is like building the single origin spices as a company is also giving us room to expand into lots of other areas around the pantry and around what people cook that are still tied to plants and, and, and leaves and barks and all that. But that, that right now there's absolutely no traceable high quality alternative on the market for it. So we're, we're expanding in that. So you talked about too much stuff. We're going even more. But what we find is that people want to do all their shopping in one place. So like you're not going to buy your cumin and paprika and garlic in one place and your saffron somewhere else. So it's also just a way to be like, what, do you, what are you missing from your cabinet? Come to us. Like we'll give you a better version of it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, because it is it is a one space, right? Like in ge- generally speaking, one cabinet. I mean, that's what we have, one cabinet. And it's like actually yeah like that high uh full of of spices so if i can go and get all that and like click 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 and and have it all delivered that's a a lot better than thinking you know piecemealing unless you were just like we have the best this salt or one thing that's like and it's so mind boggling great that like and it takes all your effort and bandwidth and capacity to be able to produce that one thing that it's like yes i have to go there to get that one thing because it's that amazing that's what we have but across a lot of spices right but but that's what i'm saying like you gotta have you 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 really should have as many of the spices as you possibly can to be able to fulfill that cat that whole cabinet need plus for your sake i mean to be able to capture um that much greater of a uh uh cus- um uh cart like uh, was a customer cart yeah um, right average right so like that that's important too right because like you you so so many so or so much so many so many times i could buy 10 a single 10 dollar spice right so it's like oh cool we have we have this customer but like they're buying like once a month because they're buying one spice and it's ten dollars like that's awesome but they ain't going to pay all the bills to, for all these totally. trips flying all over the place, right? We gotta, we gotta be able to expand that, uh, that, and, and get it to, you know, when people are spending with us, they're spending a hundred, hundred and ten, hundred and fifty, hundred to maybe two hundred dollars in the, just to fit, re, restock all their spices. But, uh, but no, I, I love it. So tell people where they can go and uh, get all their uh, their spices fulfilled here. So here, so here, you'll see them. You can go, come to Burlap and Barrel, B-U-R-L-A-P-A-N-D, Barrel, B-A-R-R-E-L. Here's our here's our logo and our Spice Passport. Woo. This is a oh, fun thing. Awesome. This is what I have, just, just an eight-pack sampler of eight different spices in fully recyclable uh, little little pods that you can take for travel, gifting, camping. Anyway, this has been a fun thing that, that's been really popular on the holidays that we made uh, about a year ago. But come to Burlap and Barrel. Check us out on Instagram. Uh, check us out on burlapandbarrel.com. And we're going to be sharing. Ethan's going to be posting a lot of stuff. We're going to be in Ethiopia and Tanzania. So come check out what's next. Visit some spice farms with us by following us on Instagram too. Very cool. There are the sharks. Very cool. 
Uh, yeah. Well, you got to have Shark Tank sprinkled in here. And uh, I love that you used them as uh, uh, testimonials. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I know uh, it's a little different for me because I'm not in my studio. I'm here at the shop and um, I, I still got to catch up with that person that came by my window twice looking for me. I had a smile on his face both times, but um, but I'm sure he'll have something to say about it when I <laughs> when I see him. Uh, so so uh, so yeah. So thank you again for taking your time today. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us. Good Joe. luck. With that conversation. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thanks. No, it'll be it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, anyway, th- and thank you for making it all the way to the end of this video. Uh, if you haven't checked out Ethan and Orth- uh, Super Ethan Super Worries uh, pitch, go click on over here. If you uh, if you have already, uh, click over here. I'll see you in that video. Till then, uh, take care and go be super.